Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and I am joined here today by Ari Weinswig, who is CEO and co-founding partner of Zingerman's Community of Businesses. Uh, I'm not sure if you've had the privilege of visiting one of his businesses yet uh, or reading any of his books, but it includes his businesses include Zingerman's Delicatessen, the Bakehouse, the Creamery, Catering, Mail Order, and many more. So he knows a thing or two about expansion into different lines of business, and he is an author of a number of articles and books. And in 2017, Ari was named one of the world's top 10 CEOs by Inc. Magazine. So Ari, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. And uh, where are you calling in from today? Thank you, Alex. I'm calling in from Mars where there is no pandemic. No, I'm calling in <laughs> from Zingerman's Roadhouse. Well, I want to jump right in and to start, I want to hear a little bit more about your businesses. You know, in, in the course that we have with Growth Institute, there's a video that plays at the beginning of the course, and one of the women who's an employee of Zingerman's towards the end shares what she says the philosophy of the company. And she said, it's treat people uh, really well, have clear expectations, model how you want people to behave, recognize and reward great performance, have an environment where people can grow and flourish, give people the resources so they can do their jobs, and treat people like adults. And it sounds very simple. I'm curious, was this the design of the business from day one? And what has that kind of meant for, for your, your companies? Well, that's Katie from Zing Train uh, who said that. And that film was made by Joe York, uh, who works a little now and even more than with Southern Foodways Alliance down at Ole Miss. And uh, it was made in the most wonderful way to do just what it did, which is he just walked around and asked people what Zingerman's and there was no prep and they weren't scripted and it was very uh, improv. And uh, her answer was quite good. Um, but the diversity of the answers in the film is, was really part of what I had hoped would happen, which is, of course, everybody has a different version. Uh, and none of them just said it's a deli. Uh, so anyway, uh, was that what we wanted? Yeah, I mean, I think she said it more coherently than I probably would have said it back in 1982 when Paul and I opened Delhi with two employees in our little 1300 square foot space. But yeah, from the beginning, I think we knew we wanted to have some amazing food and service and uh, a great place for people to work. And I, you know, clearly 39 years later, I'm much better able to elucidate the ideas behind that or philosophy behind it. But that said, I mean, so a lot of my beliefs, as you know, I've written a lot about beliefs, but my, a lot of my beliefs have changed over the years a lot. Um, but some of those beliefs around treating people as equal human beings is a real i can explain it better but it's really no different now than then and the same for paul so i i guess yeah the kernels of all of what katie said so well were embedded in our existence march 15 1982 when we opened but on the topic of change management ari you know your philosophy 
last I heard was very similar to great game of businesses, open book management, mm-hmm. um, and the way that you think and, and get people involved. So you can tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. that and how it's worked for your team. Yeah. So, uh, that is actually something I said and heard, uh, Vern heard me say it. So, uh, is that open book or I'm sorry, bottom line change, which is our change management approach is essentially the same idea as open book, but for organizational change. So, it's the same thing. Teach people how it works, teach them the numbers, so to speak, in, in the context of what changes are happening, give them the tools to help lead change and, and make change. Uh, I'm sort of tired of the words transparent, but make change as transparent as open book makes finance. Like there's no secrets. And the more we get people involved, the better it's going to work. And the more practice we get at it, the better we get at it. And we'll still make mistakes, but they're generally mistakes that we made in the open together, as opposed to mistakes made by you and me going in the back room and, you know, good intentions, but completely going in the wrong direction because we were in isolation. So it's, a, it's the change process that we teach to everybody here. And uh, we've taught it to people all over the world. And you mentioned also that change obviously is constant and for, for you to, in order to avoid being caught in the hamster wheel of constant change and constant reaction, you have to practice this idea of change. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you actually practice this process of change and how you've taught other companies to do the same? Yeah. So, well, I mean, part of it, I, I think is to your point, I mean, it's a little bit about our beliefs about change. So uh, I didn't say it in that pamphlet because I hadn't written the book about beliefs in business yet, but now I would say it, which is uh, much of the world has the belief that like we're going through a change, but it'll end. And then when I really started to examine it more closely, it's kind of obvious, but what day does something not change? I mean, somebody you know, an organization of our size in the food business. I mean, there's no day that no one leaves the organization. There's no day that no one new starts. Maybe there's two days a year, but I mean, it almost never happens. There's no day that somebody doesn't call in sick. There's no day that we don't find a way to improve a system. There's no, you know, so these things are constantly going on. Just like, I mean, I, I live with a farmer. I mean, it's not like the farm is ever the same today as it was yesterday. It's impossible, right? So, so I think the change is happening all the time and it's not like we use bottom line change every time somebody calls in sick, but the point is to become, I guess, accustomed to it, uh, you know, pick whatever metaphor you want, but I mean, a good team in, in football, I mean, if they, the quarterback throws an interception, yeah, they feel bad, but they know how to respond in a healthy way and take a deep breath and hold together and they don't blame and they get back on course. So this is trying to teach me and everybody here, you know, how to get our brains around it and to know uh, or learn and understand and teach a process that we can use for the more meaningful changes. Thank you. I know you have a formula that you believe outlines all the, the change D times F yeah. times yeah. V. Yeah greater than ours. So if you can walk us through a little bit of that. Share yeah. With so that. I learned it from, we learned it from Stash Kazmierski who passed away, I think five years ago, very sadly, who taught us our visioning process also. I don't know that he actually invented that, but that's where we learned it. Uh, so he, he always said, and I think he's right. It's, it's the math formula behind change. So D stands for dissatisfaction. 
uh, times V, which stands for vision of the future towards which you're trying to go. Uh, F stands for first steps, which I would now say is probably more like it should be a plan, action plan, not just the beginning. But D times V times F, so uh, dissatisfaction times the vision times the quality of the first steps must be greater than R, R standing for the resistance. So we know from life, including me, there's always resistance to all change, like somebody's going to resist, which isn't a bad thing because like we don't want to show up tomorrow and they close the company without telling you. Like we want somebody to go like, you can't do that. They're, you know, we got to do so. It's not like resistance is bad. It's just going to be present in any system. Uh, but if if any of the uh, three uh, dissatisfaction, vision, and or first steps are zero, like you're super unhappy with the present, but no one has a vision that's better of tomorrow, nothing will change. If you have a great inspiring vision, but no one's unhappy with how it is, it won't change. And if you have a great vision and everybody hates the present, but nobody actually has a plan, it's still not going to change, right? So you need all three. And then the stronger uh, those three are, the more you could do the math. I'm a history major, not a, not a math major, but even I could do the algebra, which is going to tell me that the more we raise the number on the dissatisfaction, the vision, or the action planning, the first steps, the, the easier it is to overcome the resistance. It's been a real pleasure to have you join us today. And I just want to leave with, with one more question. If, if the leaders in our community could only take one thing away from, from our conversation today, what would you like to share with them? Well, the good news is they can take as many as they want, Alex. There's no limit. Um, <laughs> and I hope they take more. I guess I because we're talking about bottom line change, I'm just going to come back to that, you know, which is that the we're making changes all the time, even when it's not a pandemic. Uh, and you can either sort of let the change play itself out by accident, like your intentions are good, but there's no process to it. So you could just send your 12 year old in the kitchen with some ingredients and they might make something good. <laughs> but if 20 people are coming for company, you might want to do a little more prep. So uh, this is really a recipe that can be used by anybody. And that part of our work, like in the spirit of open book is to teach everybody how to think like a leader. And this is one of the tools because leaders lead change. I mean, that's what we do, right? If everything was the same, tomorrow and next week and next year from today, then there's no leadership. So uh, leaders can lead poorly or they can lead badly and I think, or lead well. And I, I think having effective change management recipe is certainly not the number one tool, but it's a really good one. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.